That's one of the things that separates great agents from good agents. Uh, just the little tiny nuances in this business. Even if it's knowing that you can escrow funds for BA and FHA deals, knowing that you can uh, do concessions, for example, as opposed to all the other crazy nonsense or 1.5 times escrow funds is a big one for us. So a lot of tiny little things that I, I don't think a lot of people know about. So the question is this. How do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchasegi. I'm back. I'm super pumped about this interview. We started reaching out to Joel, it seems like six or seven months ago. We wanted to come get him on the podcast. He is one of uh, Realtor.com's 30 under 30 this year. If you guys, you know, every year I try to interview as many of the people as I can that got the award. Some of the people that I've had back on the show multiple times are previous 30 under 30 interviews. And I know this one's going to be fun. So Joel is, uh, Joel runs the top notch home team, Colorado Springs, Colorado. He's going to get to talk more about that too. Joel, how's it going? Hey man, uh, good to be here. Really appreciate it. It took so long for me to get here. Yeah, I'm glad you made it. It's it's like yeah. better late than never, at least before they announced the next 30 under 30. We had to get you on before, you know, they've got a <laughs> group of people that we're reaching out to. And it, yeah, you know, I'll be old news by then. I'll be old news. Old news. Old All right. News. So the so you're in Colorado Springs, Colorado. The yeah. um, How many people are on your team? So, so this year I've got um, seven plus an ISA and ops manager. So we're, we're growing slowly and hopefully strategically. Yeah. Yeah. How many deals do you do a year? 2020, we knocked out 139, which was 45 million, give or take. And it was about 1.15 million GCI. That is crazy. As a team? As a team. Yeah. Yeah. So my net was ballpark 400 with my wife selling homes too. So we had a good year and this year we're stacking up with close. We, we had bigger goals, but 2021 kind of got away from us a little bit. So we're, we're looking to make about the same amount this year. Yeah. When did you get your license? 2016, 2016. And was that out in Colorado? Did you start in Colorado? Yeah, I was stationed here. I was stationed in Col uh, Fort Carson, Colorado, and we just kind of fell in love with it and figured, you know, what else am I going to do? I had absolutely no tangible skills coming from the military. So <laughs> my wife said, go be a realtor. I was like, let's try it. Let's do it. Hey, well, I, I'm hiring <laughs> lots of military retirees like right now. Oh, the killers, yeah. Killers. Some of the best hires I got over the past couple of years were, were straight out of the military. And I've got two family members that are uh, in Space Force stationed in Colorado Springs. It's right awesome. That's awesome. Your neck of the woods, especially for me as a civilian that doesn't really know any better. I just think Space Force just sounds so freaking cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's cool. Space, space door gun is what you want to be, apparently. So yeah, yeah excited to see what happens with Space Force. Yeah. I am too. So you got your license um, yeah. six years ago. The how did, How'd you get your first deal? I have one of those weird kind of stories. When I was active, my wife and I were flipping properties too. So I wasn't licensed when we were doing that, but my ETS, which is end of my service, came up or was coming up and we happened to be flipping a house. And it just so happened that that ending of that flip synced up with the exact week I got my licensing. So I had a sign in the yard day two. And from that sign in the yard, I pulled three or four other closings from an open house that was done on that flip because the flip was on a really busy road, central downtown. They're slowly gentr gentrifying areas. So we had a 
bunch of traffic and I had like 70 people through but like it was like 30 40 people in a database and sold three houses like 10 days after that too so luck <laughs> Dude, luck luck but not that's actually <laughs> a strategy that somebody could copy it's it's a fant- it's fantastic in the sense that my wife's first listing was mine too I bought it awesome. I bought a foreclosure I fixed it listed it for sale she was a new fresh agent she got the listing so many of the listeners out here are like how do I get my first listing because because there is I mean I think it is easy it's it, the nice thing about being a listing agent is you're pretty much guaranteed a commission now you could lose a listing if it doesn't sell yep. but it's nice to go my work yep. I'm gonna get paid for my work someday and as a buyer's agent on occasion you don't get paid for that work. Yep. Or maybe that's, you know, minor thinking, but the, so very cool. So you can, you can create that. And then you not only did your own listing, but you leverage that to like, Hey, I'm going to do open houses. Hey, I'm going to get a database and I'm going to start yep. growing this. Got, got super lucky with it. Yeah. So that, like I said, that open house was just popping, absolutely popping. And, and the guys who came in, the military and from one of those clients, Matt Burgess, I still, still friends with the dude six years later, I've done like five sides with them from my first day in real estate, basically total. Man. Yeah. He- we love those stories too. Yeah, so brilliant. often when people are like, how do I get more deals? It's like, make sure you talk to everyone you've ever done a deal with. <laughs> yeah. Like call everyone that, that you've done yeah. a deal with before to see how they're doing and create these real relationships. And think about that long game, right? Like yep. never screw over a client today because they're going to be a client five, six times. Oh yeah. We can, we can talk about that in depth later. <laughs> one client's worth a lot more than one paycheck if you do it right. Yes. One yeah. client is worth so much more than one paycheck. So how are you? So today, you're getting those listens. You've got those those clients that are turnovers. Do you still do flips? Do you still? Do we. What, what happened back in 2016? It was plausible to buy a property on the MLS or at the foreclosure auction. And then, as we've been progressing, and all these syndications are coming in with extortionate amounts of money, my margins weren't big enough to compete with the big boys. So it got to the point where my margins were the same as the commission I was making from sourcing and selling. So I said, you know, why the hell am I putting in X amount of dollars of my own money or hard money or whatever the hell um, when I could just sell it to an investor and then sell it on the back end as a listing? So we, we stopped a couple of years ago. Now, on occasion, we'll invest 10, 15, 20 grand into one of our clients' properties to rehab, but the rule is kind of a dollar in has to make a dollar and a half out, right? Like one, 1.5 hour away from my dollar. So they come and go, but I ha- we haven't personally put our name on a flip for a couple of years now. Something you just said really quick. I've kind of heard this strategy. I had an agent that I interviewed out of you know, Nevada. And one mm-hmm. of the strategies was they would help clients do the remodel. Essentially, yep. they would say, hey, if we put 20 grand into it now, I'm going to yeah. go sell your house for 40 grand more. It sounds like you don't do that often, but you do it sometimes. What's your strategy when you're doing that? So it's it's really painfully simple. And the, the only caveat is you need 20, 30 grand in the bank to do it, right? So, so I understand it's not plausible for everybody, but um, we offer it to any listing where we think it could just be a quick turn and burn type flip. And we're saying, hey, if we do make X, Y, and Z repairs, if you don't have the money, I can fund it so long as I get paid my commission plus the fund plus X percent of interest back on the back end. So if it's, let's say, a house and use carpet, paint, and fresh cabinets, yeah, I'll put in 15 grand to make 35, 40. Yeah. Uh, super easy, but you have to be able to run your numbers exquisitely well. So we do it on occasion, but not so often that it's kind of like the biggest part of my business. You know, yeah. um, has to right three hundred thousand hanging yeah. out out there. Exactly, it's got to be right house, right right client. Because I do a lot of bankruptcies and well, I used to do a lot of bankruptcies and distressed sales. And at, at that point, can I really trust someone with 30, 40 grand of my money when they're in a bankruptcy? You know. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> right. You can't even put a deed of trust on it. Like if somebody's exactly in or, or like there's exactly. a way to protect your money instead. Yep. All right. So where were you born? I don't, your voice does not sound like Colorado. <laughs> Sorry, I tell everyone Texas, but um, I'm from <laughs> London. I was born and raised uh, in England, spent 18 years there. met my wife when I was 18, traveled to America when I was 19. And all of a sudden I was an American soldier. So <laughs> still married to her a decade later. Right. Um, is, that, is that the fast path to American citizenship? You move it, here and you're like, hey, can... Yeah, if you, if you want to become American, um, I went from basically being told I couldn't come back to the country because I was in and out of the country four or five times in the same year to see her. And we were traveling the world and doing all sorts of dumb stuff at 18. Yeah. Um, and then America was like, hey, you can't come back in. Maybe you come back next time. So we said, you know, screw it. We got married, got my green card like two weeks later. And then I enlisted that day, was sent off to basic. And about three months after that, I was fully American. Well, I'm half American, half English. So... Fast track for sure. Fast track. So the track. Elliot Hoyt was another 30 under 30 <laughs> member. I yeah. first interviewed yeah. him two years ago. A great friend of mine today. He came out to play football at Boise State. Yeah, I saw his interview. Yeah. Yeah. And Boise is one of our, one of my college rivals back then. So we got to hear <laughs> stories about his football team and how I probably did not like him and then grew to love him uh, with what's going on too. So how, how cool. So you fast tracked out here, you got into real estate and now you're growing as you, and like starting yeah. in the press in 2016, 2017, that's kind of a unique niche. There wasn't you know, a ton of them there. And I know what, exactly what you're saying that now so many people are going yeah. after that mm-hmm. stuff. You couldn't do that anymore. How are you getting yeah. most of your deals today? So I kind of predominantly stepped out of production myself a couple of years back when my wife started taking over the show. So, so I'm going to give you kind of an overview of the, the team itself, how we're doing it. Because obviously we're very, very heavily focused on the SOI and basically retaining clients because it's significantly cheaper to retain and uh, than to source new ones, right? So SOI is huge. I'm still massively tied into the bankruptcy circuit because I got lucky again <laughs> when I first started. I, I lucked into meeting this one bankruptcy attorney and consistently we do between 5, 10, 15 bankruptcies a year where it's, hey, this guy needs to sell, good luck. And it's, okay, worst deal of your life ever, but I've got great relationships and those sellers and those attorneys don't talk to any other realtors in town. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui for a quick commercial break. So during 2020 and 2021, the real estate market completely changed. There's so much competition in the market, so many people trying to buy and sell houses, but there's hardly any supply, hardly any product, hardly anyone willing to list their homes. It's time for every agent out there to become a hybrid agent investor to be able to reach out directly to homeowners to try to get them to sell or list their house. We've got a new website. Go to leadpropeller.com and you can set up your own investor buyer website in just minutes. You'll set up your own URL, set up phone numbers, help go through the leads, help reach out to people that aren't listing their pro- their property currently and have them fill out a form that says, hey, I want to sell my house. And then as an agent, you can go through and make them a hybrid offer. You can tell them, hey, I think your house would sell for $220,000 on MLS, but I can either write you a $180,000 cash offer right now, or I can help you fix it up and you'll list it for $220,000 on MLS. These are buyers that are looking for quick cash offers. Tens of thousands are submitting these forms every single day and they're skipping the listing process. But so many of you guys out there are such good agents. It's a great opportunity to get that lead and help them maximize sales price for their home. So again, go to leadpropeller.com and think about signing up for your own investor site so buyers will start reaching out to you, asking you to make an offer on their home. So bankruptcies are huge. 
don't necessarily suggest them unless you're very well clued into either the legalities of them or dealing with crazy, crazy situations. But they're big for us. And then we started building out inbound referrals, whether that's from like Homelight, Agent Pronto, or just the social networks you have as a realtor, because nowadays you don't need to be EXP or Kellogg's or Remax to have a um, a referral system. You just need to be on Facebook or Instagram, right? So we built that in um, pretty heavily so that we have touches all over from different posts from different states, whatever it might be. Uh, so whenever someone's coming in PTSD and typically military-wise, we're getting those clients that way uh, for listening specifically. Buyers, we're pretty heavy on the pay-per-click. We have a decent site. We use Brevity uh, for the CRM because I think they have a really, really pretty user-friendly site. So the pay-per-click's been doing pretty well. We spend only three or four grand a month on it and we're making total six to eight a month on it. So that makes sense for us. And then obviously we're building our funnels through Brevity and the CRM using landing pages. And we, all we're doing, my wife is actually the expert in this, but she'll, just, she'll bring up a landing page, she'll post it to the buy-sell trade groups. And then uh, create her own funnel like that. It's free leads, essentially, quote unquote, right? Other than that, social media, branding, usual stuff. Nothing nothing new, crazy, or, you know, different. Just consistent stuff. This is cool. So I just pulled up the Brevity platform as you <laughs> about that. And it's uh, it's essentially, it's a, it's a template-based site that someone goes to yeah. the landing page example. It says, it's like, how much is your home worth? So it's, it's yep. essentially your agent page. It's built out by them. And then somebody gets in that system and then it helps you with follow-up in order to... Yep. Uh, once you get the systems in place, it's very, very hands-off after you make your initial touches or lack thereof, right? So um, drip campaigns are heavy on it. And you know when you have two, three, four thousand leads, you can't, as an agent, manage that without a CRM or drip campaign. So uh, we realized that about two years ago. I still haven't refined it the way in which I want. However... It's so hands-off now that I'm not massively worried about it. I'm more worried about keeping the brand together, doing the client events and the client pop buys and things like that so we can maintain the face-to-face relational kind of stuff we do. The So when you do pay-per-click, is mm-hmm. that through Brivity or is that through like Google <laughs> Ads and Facebook and yeah. like hire somebody to do it? I actually outsourced it to uh, um, Phil Pazman, Astros Marketing. They were, and I found them when I was using a different CRM. But, uh, but again... The reason I stay with them is because it, there's no reason not to. They make me money. Uh, it, it's not really that big a deal. I outsource because I tried to do it myself. I tried to do all the other stuff myself. And while I could have, I just found that the time I was spending doing or learning about it should have been used doing higher income producing activities. So pay someone to do it. It's easier for me. Yeah. Well, especially if you can track, if you can start spending, whether someone's an investor or an agent or anything yep. else, the, the way to really excel your business is invest in marketing. Yep. And there's nothing worse than investing in marketing that doesn't pay off. Or I've heard of people like, I spent $5,000 on postcards and I didn't get a single call. Got nothing. Got nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yes, but it's not. The nice thing about pay per click is like if with postcards, they say you need like seven touches, right? You need a postcard, yeah. you need an ad, you need a phone. They need to see your business card. Then you see your billboard. But with pay-per-click, it's like they hit that. They go to your site. They see what their home's worth. Now they're in your yep. your system. And then you can easily measure what you're doing. What is yep. your, your, like, what is your superpower? Give us superpowers you measure to. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> that's the accent, man. I'll tell you. That's what it is. No, my superpower. I think that from a very early age as an agent, you know, back in 2016, I realized being able to discuss real estate at the highest level was what differentiated me. You know, if you want to talk value proposition as an agent, 
just understanding the options you have in real estate and being able to discuss it at a higher level put me above the competition, quote unquote. That was it. I was good with words back then. And now I'm just kind of old and <laughs> tired, man, but good with words. That is yeah. funny. What's something that you wish you had known when you first got your license? I mean, you're, you've only been licensed for five years. You're doing really well. You're, you, it sounds like you definitely understand how to make the business and now scale it. <laughs> Back to that first year, what struggle so have you have known? Oh, man, that, you don't, not everything's a massively pressing issue. I remember when I only had one or two deals on the contract, it felt like my whole energy was going to that. And, and then, you know, you look back and you hold 30 or 40 deals on the contract as a team, you're like, well, why the hell was I freaking out about two? Yeah. You know? um, I was putting all my time and I was foregoing the fact that I still need to lead generate. So you might want to call that a lack of a schedule or a lack of time blocking, but I focused on the wrong things, even though I thought they were the money making activities. They weren't. There was money in the bank, kind of. You know, I had a very high close rate, so it was kind of money in the bank for me. Uh, but yeah, I was focused on the wrong things at <laughs> the wrong time or getting stressed about the wrong things when you're, yeah, yeah. When you're new it's really easy to think like there's no solution for this oh worst thing ever yeah and when, if you have a mentor that can't lead you through the inspection period basically that was the biggest thing back in 2016 18 when inspections mattered now now they don't obviously right you can't <laughs> you know you'd have a leak or your client would be freaking out about radon and you and now we know that hey this is an easy fix man we're talking a thousand bucks, I'll get it from the seller, I'll get it from the other agent, whatever. Like, this is an easy fix, just chill. Back then, I was like, oh, son of a bitch, I need to clean the furnace. That's that's something, right? That's something. So, yeah. it took me, it took me a little bit. Right. Uh, right. There, and there's no way to really <laughs> fast track that learning. You see something, you're like, oh my God, this is a big deal. They yeah. need a chimney sweep or the chimney <laughs> replacement. And it's a yeah. big deal at the beginning. And then, but it sounds like, so you had a mentor that you could reach out to. Like, first, I, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> No, no, I, I, I was on a team, but the team was kind of lucky. And that's, that's actually why I started my own team is because I wasn't getting the value of which I was being charged, right? But it, it just came to the point where I started getting educated. I started doing it myself, started figuring out what all these repairs are and having a background somewhat in flipping and repairs and everything. I kind of knew, but I also didn't know how to prepare my clients for stuff that to me is easy, like a, a reverse polarity on an electric on a socket, you know, that's 20 bucks, man. But if, if someone, if an inspector comes in and goes, yeah, your, your outlets need changed or switched or whatever, all of a sudden it's an electrical issue and they're freaking out, freaking out. So I kind of just had to keep on rolling with the punches and learning and talking to the inspectors and the contracts and as opposed to, a, you know, quote unquote mentor. But I figured it out eventually, <laughs> eventually. Yeah. Yeah. And now yeah. are you, are you the mentor to some of the agents that work? Do you have new agents that come to you and go, Oh my God, what am I going to do about this outlet? Yeah. All the time. Um, and even my experienced agents, I still review 90% of the things that go out, whether it's offers, inspection objections, or, or I rewrite them, reword them for them. Because at the end of the day, I'm not really their mentor, kind of maybe a coach a little bit. My wife does more of the mentoring at the end, I, I think, but um, yeah, I review 90% of the things that go out from my, my agents just because everything still needs to speak to this day and I'm still learning. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the way that you say something, you can have mm -hmm. the same exact legal yeah. thing there, but the way that you say, it, and, or the, you could, you could say something. I had a, I had somebody send over, uh, I, I was selling a house. They sent over a request for repair a week or two ago. And they said, so the, originally we're giving them $5,000 credit back. And then they mm -hmm. asked for some repairs and we say, we'll just give you a thousand dollar credit for it. So they kept resending the addendum that said, 
you know, credits change to 6,000 plus <laughs> doing this other credit. Yeah. It's double counting. Yeah. Like, 8,000. <laughs> yeah, now it's 8,000. So it's like, yeah. have to write like that. And it was such this time block of like, why do those two words make such a big difference? I'm like, because mm-hmm. those two words. Yeah. And that, that's massive for me, man. And I try and teach in all my, I do negotiation class and, and all sorts of nonsense. I try and teach that words have meaning, right? Uh, it's the most basic concept in the English language, but if you're not capable of writing a proper inspection or proper offer as an agent, you're, you're kind of foregoing your fiduciary obligation to your client. So whenever we do these inspections, object, objections, resolutions, they're called here, whatever, they have to be either airtight if you want them to be, or they have to be super lapsed if you're on the listing side, let's say. So uh, we get away with crazy stuff by just having small verbiage change in our resolutions to, to benefit our client as opposed to the other side. So getting getting that hampered down was a big deal for me and something I always kind of felt a bit of pride in when I wrote solid offers and solid resolutions. So that was, that was a big learning experience for sure for me. What another crazy example of the words? Because yeah, as as a buyer, you want to be able to say you need to fix this, and you need to use a yeah. license, license electrician. Yeah, yeah and you need to see the invoice afterward, and it's <laughs> signed off by a building. It's you know, you get to this other level, and then yeah. on the listing side, you're like needs to look better or seller to repair, yeah. <laughs> seller to repair to best yeah. to industry standard. Yeah. You know, something yep. where you can something. go. Yeah, yeah it's. it's- little nuances that you pick up as you go along in the industry that a lot of people just seem to miss or not care for. But I think that that's one of the things that separates great agents from good agents. Uh, just the little tiny nuances in this business, even if it's knowing that you can escrow funds for VA and FHA deals, knowing that you can uh, do concessions, for example, as opposed to all the other crazy nonsense or 1.5, 1.5 times escrow funds is a big one for us. So a lot of tiny little things that I don't think a lot of people know about because they just haven't seen it or don't have the right coach in place to teach them to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you teach a negotiation class. The mm. uh, is that for your agents? Is that is that something? That a, I have a I have a C I have a C a critic course for just basic negotiations because I, I felt when I started really getting into the hundred plus sales a year the offers I was seeing the inspections I was getting back so this, this is stupid. Like again, if you're going to be a realtor, one of the key things is not being a good friend, you know, is being a good negotiator. Real estate rock stars. This is a commercial break from our podcast sponsor, House Folios. We're in real estate to find the next big deal, right? We want to find the deal, make money, and then turn around and do it all over again. It can be frustrating having to search through thousands of properties, trying to find that Goldilocks property that is just right for your investment goals. That's why we're here to tell you about House Folios. Housefolios is a management software for single family home investors that makes it simple to find good deals, get financing, and manage your property portfolios all from one platform. They're an all-in-one app that lets you easily search for properties, both listed and unlisted, analyze numbers based on your specific assumptions, and provide resources to get you through underwriting and closing. And this is a feature we like most. You can track your numbers at multiple levels. Want to see the returns on the specific property in seconds? Check. How about an entire portfolio of properties you're looking to buy? Check. And then being able to present these properties to investors to become the go-to real estate agent for their investment needs, how awesome is that? Managing your investment properties has never been easier. The best part, it's affordable. Plans start at just $29 a month, 29 bucks to unlock the tools to manage your entire investing cycle, all in one place. Check it out at housefolios.com. And if that's not enough, Housefolios is giving our listeners a special rate on an entire year of Housefolios, just 99 bucks. So instead of 29 bucks a month, 99 bucks, for the year, head on over to housefolios.com forward slash re rockstars to sign up.
Again, head over to housefolios.com forward slash RE Rockstars to get an entire year of housefolios for only 99 bucks. So I started basically teaching the academic side of things um, as opposed to just the, the nuances of it. Um, and then obviously we tie that into real estate and what kind of I do and what not to do, what to avoid and everything else like that without practicing law, of course. But yeah, it's a big deal, like learning how to negotiate and learning that just saying no is typically the wrong bloody answer, you know? <laughs> yeah, dumb, dumb. But yeah, uh, I love it. I, lo- I love teaching stuff like that. What tips would you give somebody... So one of the problems with negotiation is the worrying that you could damage that relationship with, yeah. with the other agent. Yeah. And you and I have already talked about, this is a long game. You're going to do 20 deals with that agent in your lifetime. Yep. What yep. advice would you give somebody to say, this is how you can negotiate with another agent without damaging that relationship? Anything you think of? Yeah. I mean, the simple one is, so what, what's a win look like to you? <laughs> Just ask them straight up. There's no reason not to know what their bottom line is. And there's no, no, it's called a batner, right? Which is the best alternative to a negotiated agreement. So there's no point and you can't properly negotiate if you don't know what the backup plan, their backup plan is as well as yours. So you have worst and best case alternatives to if you can't come to an agreement. And so long as you beat that bottom line, technically it's still a win-win, especially in this market for buyers, getting them into, into a house that's suitable, safe, and, and not a you know, part of crap is a massive win. And if they're getting a two point whatever interest rate, I don't care about a $200 small repair that I'll probably pay for anyway. So asking the agent realistically, what does the seller want or what is their opinion of um, a win? And then seeing if it fits your bottom line or not, be like, yeah, I can do that. Because what you'll find is you'll get, I've had some crazy stuff, like a 20 line inspection objection report with just l- <laughs> ludicrous stuff in a way, hey man, what does your buyer actually care about? And it comes down to like two things that cost like a hundred bucks a piece, you know? So figuring it out, having open lines of communication. Uh, I know you probably hear that a lot, but it's just so simple and it's missed so bloody often. It's just talk to them uh, as if you're coming from a win-win solution, you know, don't focus on the problem, figure out what the solution is to it. Simple. I really like that. What's a win look like to you? I had a, uh, two days ago, we had to do a, in Texas, there's a lot of foundations that shift. We had one yeah. house that the, they had to pop recently, they had to pop it up, you know, raise the foundation. We we're put, adding in a bunch of joys, replace the plumbing, gives us a quote mm-hmm. for $25,000. Along the way, it's raining, worse things happening. He goes, hey, this is going to be an extra. This is going to be an extra. Yeah. We get the invoice at $75,000. <laughs> and I go, whoa. So yes, yeah. you were saying it was going to be extra, but at what point did you realize it was like double? 50, yeah. <laughs> you thought, I've never had a $50,000 change order before. Yeah. And I think I'm going to take your advice and kind of just start leading with that strategy of what's a win look like for you? Because yeah. I, I'm not paying $75,000 for yeah. a $25,000 quote, but I also don't want us to be getting into, so what's a win look like? Yeah. See where and, I get with that. Uh, so that's what I'm saying. And what your worst case is, if, if it doesn't line up with your client's bottom line, you, you just pull out, you just terminate and move on because then it's a, not a win-win or a win-win-win in this case, right? Uh, so it's integrative decision-making when it comes to negotiation, I think is the right way forward for 90% of deals in real estate. On occasion, you'll come up where it's like, no, this is stupid, we're not doing it. And, and here's why. I always caveat everything with, and this is why we're not doing it, you know, but 90% of deals, there's a solution where your seller needs to make a small repair because it's health and safety, whatever the, whatever the case may be, but yeah, 70, 50 grand change order is pretty crazy. Dude, yeah. <laughs> not, not, not something that we want to see. Like, I, no, I don't no. know where the bottom line win is this, but the little <laughs> the miracle of a story when at the end, yeah. hey, everybody's happy or, or everybody is a little bit unhappy, but willing to do the deal. Maybe yeah. that's sometimes it where, is. where we end up. Yeah, we got a weird deal like 
30 minutes out east in the middle of basically Kansas at this point, where we can't even get contractors out to do bids. So we're in like a two and a half month escrow for this one. And we're still struggling with getting a HUD certification or something nonsense. And what I can't, we were, you know, the seller was freaking out. The agent was freaking out like, oh, you know, buyer's going to terminate. And then just ask him to ask his buyer if he can. And the buyer said, no, I can wait for as long as you need. So simple fixes to simple solutions are often overlooked, man. Just, yeah. <laughs> Just ask. Yeah, stressing about the wrong things and yeah. on the wrong things. Like it's like, yeah, I, I wake up tired, dude. I can't stress about everything. <laughs> yeah. So you just essentially you just open opened your own shop or grew your team or you're doing this kind yeah. of big new launch. What are you the most excited about with that? And what's what's going to be the changes you're going to see over the next year? Like, what are your what's your growth plan? We, we I actually ended up partnering with one of my agents. Um, he was probably my second biggest agent, but I always knew what his goal was back from when he started with me was to run a team and it just, uh, to own a team, essentially do what I was doing. And two years later, we, we sat down, I was like, hey man, um, what would it look like if we just partnered on this? So we ended up doing that because he kind of fits in with what I suck at. My wife fits in with the rest of the things I suck at. And then I'm good at telling people the truth, you know? So <laughs> everyone likes those two. Um, but what we're planning to do, we, we locked up our commercial space, central downtown, killer location, glass storefront. We're getting the build out done in the next four to six weeks. Um, and what it came down to, because I was at a bigger firm all of a month ago, right? I was paying them X amount of dollars. And then I realized, well, why am I not just spending the same amount of dollars to have my own bloody thing, right? To provide a place for agents in this community that aren't going to get taken by the fluff or the other MLM kind of stuff that you see elsewhere. Because I always found, like I said, when I was on the team, I wasn't getting the value of which I was being charged. So we created this thing called Stone Gable Realty with the concept that we're only going to charge what we believe we're worth or, or what value we give to the agents. And that was our biggest value proposition is, is I understand what I'm worth because I paid out a fortune to other people in my five plus years because I've been working for others. <laughs> Uh, been of firms and so on and so forth. So that was what the premise was. The, the growth plan is finding people who align with our goals and our vision. Because uh, when you're building a team, if you're not picking up the right people, you're just going to shoot yourself in the foot. Like well, I, I learned the hard way, even though I had all the education how to build a team properly, I found that I was a bit of an idiot and didn't really grow it the right way. So I've had to fire a few agents in the past. I've had agents leaving in the past because we didn't have the right conversations. We didn't have the right alignments or visions, whatever it might've been. So growing strategically with the correct people is very important to us at this point. And being a brand new firm, obviously we've had a bunch of people reach out already. We've got, I believe we've got a pretty good reputation in this town. We're known as like the tattooed scumbags, the younger generation, but uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> we've already had people reach out. And stealing our deals. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we've got people reaching out. We're we're meeting with coffee with everybody, and we're trying to grow, like I said, strategically and intelligently with the right people. Yeah. Absolutely. Real estate rock stars. This is a commercial break from our biggest podcast sponsor we have right now, Rent Ready. It can be fun getting a new real estate deal, but it can be tough managing your properties after the fact, especially if you're long distance investing or trying to manage multiple properties by yourself. That's why we're here to tell you about Rent Ready. RentReady is a property management software that not only makes it easier to manage all your real estate deals from one platform, but they also have the best customer service support in the biz. They're an all-in-one app that lets you easily manage properties, collect rent, list units, screen tenants, sign leases, all from your phone or computer. Imagine all of your real estate doors right in your pocket. How awesome is that? The best part is it's so affordable, one flat price for everything. Unlimited properties, tenants, and support with a real live 
human. And I have to add in there, that's a new business model that not a lot of people are doing. There's like this freemium model where people say, hey, you can try this, but as soon as you grow, it's gonna cost you a lot of money. Or they kind of punish you when you get too many emails on your list or too many companies. They aren't gonna punish you when you grow. They're not gonna charge you more when you get 10, 20, 30 rentals. They're gonna charge you the same when you have two or three as they will when you have 50 or 60. So you have a nice fixed cost, all software, all in one place. Check it out, Rent Ready, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com. And if that's not enough, Rent Ready is giving our listeners a special code you can use to get a whole year of Rent Ready for just $54. Use code R-O-C-K-S-T-A-R-50, that's Rockstar50, and sign up for Rent Ready's annual plan at rentready.com. Again, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com with code Rockstar50 to get Rent Ready for only $54. How many offers or house or listings getting right now? I mean, I, you know, a year ago, everywhere it was like yeah. a house. Now it's yeah. like five for in some places with a lot. You still get, it's still pretty heavy competitive. So we're, we're, we're in a bit of an insulated market still. Cause we do have four, well, car, we got a bunch of military bases within like a five mile radius of the central, central Springs. Right. But what we're seeing is kind of a plateau. I don't think we're decreasing. We're definitely getting a slowdown where we are getting five ish offers on a house, unless you have, a very niche like west side killer house where you will get 2030 still like whatever uh we're still selling million dollar houses in four days we're still selling 250 well 350 thousand dollar houses in 10 minutes for 30 grand more but we are plateauing for sure you can feel it you can see it yeah so if a buyer's agent is listening right now and they're thinking how do i get my offer acceptable <laughs> whether yeah. it's so even though it's slowed down a little bit you know, it's still like within three days that offer is accepted. And sometimes they're like, oh, I wish I would have seen that one or yeah. anything yeah. else. So what advice would you give to somebody that, that has, that they're representing buyers right now and they're just struggling winning and they've been yeah. like a few months are about to give up? I, I guess that's kind of three things of how we're winning right now. Firstly, it's having a network of local realtors who love to do off-market deals because they're tired of the 100 plus showings, 20 plus offers. And if okay. we have an offer from a buyer, that fits their seller's criteria plus an extra five grand or something with appraisal gap, you know, for example, there's no reason they don't take it. So we reach out to a lot of our friends um, all the time to see what they have coming up or if a seller might be interested, which is a big one. So your local sphere for sure. Secondly, we're on the MLS every single day, day zero, looking at properties that are listed that morning, properties that are just price decrease, and then properties that are listed conventional um, cash only but might be able to go VA or FHA because a lot of listing agents in our market, VA is massive there, obviously, military, right? So when you have a listing that doesn't offer VA or FHA terms, they've lo- like just lost 90% of their buyer pool because the listing agent cocked it up. So we picked up a lot of properties that weren't offering VA terms, uh, but we ended up closing VA because we knew it would go VA and the listing agent didn't. So we just kind of doubled down on ourselves. And then finally... <laughs> I know it's kind of mundane to say, but the easier you make it for a listing agent to accept your offer, the more chance you're going to get accepted. It's not always about the extra 500 bucks higher in an escalation clause. It's about writing an offer where the listing agent doesn't have to send a counter proposal. You know, make it as easy as humanly possible for the seller to just sign and move on. You know, it's a nightmare in this town where we started with 2,400 agents. Now there's 6,000 and half the offers we get are just, Crap, it's terrible, terrible. And I, I tell myself, like, hey, this is a great dollar sign. 
However, we need to counter 20 different terms in this. And there's no appraisal gap, so it's kind of useless anyway. They're still asking for inspection items, wherever it might be. So what we teach our agents is make it as easy as humanly possible. And so long as your buyers are good with it and they understand what an appraisal gap is or what an inspection, we don't, we never don't inspect, but sometimes we just remove the right to object to items. We, we always do stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. The, I like some of the, the little tricks too, of looking on the MLS for those, mm-hmm. the ones that are saying they're not going to take FHA yeah. or VA because That's huge. Yeah. it does change, especially in the military towns. There's a couple of places in Texas that I focus a lot on and the, and I have a lot of my own houses <laughs> that we're selling there and they're in, in these military towns and the VA buyers. I love VA deals. Right yeah. um, now, I, not as much as a cash over asking, of course, because, <laughs> but you know, within a day or two, if you yeah. that or not, and the being able to close a deal, essentially, sometimes we go, oh, no one wants to wait 40 days if it's right. going to take 40 or 30. So we're going to hold out, but then they wait a week or two and they're like, oh, I, if I would have started the clock last week, if I'd have taken that offer. Yeah, be good. And, and the funny thing, like in this town, we have, I work with three agents, uh, lenders, I should say, brokers. Um, we can close VA in 21 days. Uh, so long as you have the appropriate buyer consultation with your buyer, there is no reason you can't do a VA loan in 21 days. And then the offer will write, appraisal will be ordered no later than two days after MEC. So execution of contract, right? So we tell the seller, we're going to get the appraisal ordered within a day. We're going to guarantee an appraisal price, you know, if it appraises it, let's say 400, but you're on a contract of 410, still sometimes we bridge that $10,000 gap. So it's just what's happening here. Just in case their listeners are like, that's dumb. It's not. And we close in 21 days, but most sellers don't want to move in 21 days in this town. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. 30 days is fine. Yeah. Um, that, that is the other side of it, right? It used to be, yeah. or it's, hey, I'll close early, but you can stay for an extra month. or Yeah. Post occupancies. Yep. Yeah. As a listing agent, when you're looking at those offers that come in from the brand new agents and you're like, man, yeah. I'm going to change 15 things on here. Yeah. What's one or two common mistakes that new agents are making when they write their offers. So firstly, a big one that so in Colorado, the Colorado State Forum has a decent deadline table. I'm, I'm sure it's similar across the nation, but it's very, very plain and clear cut on what it should look like. But a lot of agents just don't know what, why the dates are there for one what they actually mean for two and then thirdly what timeline they need so nine times out of ten i'm trying to shift you know on a 30-day closing if i have a 14-day inspection period as a listing agent i'm gonna be like nope sorry you need seven days at most in this town to be competitive so it's little things like that the uh, resolution deadlines a couple days after i see loan terminations like two days before closing which is a great tactic that you used to be able to use back when the market wasn't insane but now it is the loan term's got to be seven days before closing or even just not even there sometimes. So we see that cash of closings are often kind of cocked up because you'll see someone write a conventional offer with zero money down. You're like, well, I don't think you know what you're doing exactly. So that's a big deal. And then um, additional provisions, which for us is where you're writing the appraisal gaps or the inspection clauses or the whatever other nonsense you have in there, right? So we'll get a lot of offers with additional or a lack of additional provisions. And then that comes down to the agent either not knowing something needs to typically go in there to be competitive in this market or not being taught how to do it appropriately. I see it all the time, but yeah. yeah. So kind of a random opinion question. There's been stuff in the news lately about <laughs> making it illegal to send buyer letters. Anymore. <laughs> so that used to be pretty common. Yeah. I personally don't think people read them very often. Maybe sometimes you think there's any... What, what do you think about that? Will that affect impact people at all? Uh, no, J- just long, long and short. I, I, I don't know many people in this world, unfortunately, who 
would give away five or $10,000 of their own money just to give someone else a home, right? Like a different person a home. We can safely assume most offers here are VA and the ones that aren't, and we'll talk about that in a second, but if, if it's a military family, it's, it's the same story. Newly married, about to deploy, wife's pregnant, usual stuff. So we remove everything and just look at the pure numbers and kind of the, the intangible stuff like dates deadlines. So pros and cons to all offers come down to the nitty gritty stuff as opposed to someone saying, yeah, I need a place for my wife to stay. Like, unfortunately i can't advise my seller to take this offer because you know i was deployed when i had my first kid <laughs> sorry i've been there you know <laughs> ah, that, that's yeah if everybody that, wrote a letter if, if everybody that wrote an offer wrote a letter that'd be the same story same story over and over and it's it's unfortunate it's an unfortunate truth there um but the the counterpoint to this is what we're seeing in colorado there's two massive syndications in csh and hpa and hpa was bought by blackstone right so and even zillow ugh, another story but they have uh they're just dumping cash into the springs they're going they're not really looking at bpos or cmas or even just asking price they're going 20 grand extra cash will close whenever you want whenever you want right and the the cat like what we have to discuss with the sellers like hey it's a ridiculously good offer a loan's probably not going to beat it but you're selling to an investor who is basically buying out the middle class of first-time home buyers. So we have had some sellers who say, I don't want this cash offer because it's going to an investor in California or Texas, Texas. Um, I want to sell it to someone local. And they'll take a five or $10,000 pay cut with a loan um, over that stuff. It's rarely happening, but now that they've come in so heavily to our community, sellers are starting to catch on, realtors have started to catch on because um, we are getting crushed by cash offers crushed you, that's that is going to be a very interesting it's it's happening a lot in a lot of places i've talked about mm-hmm. the news in a lot of places yeah. and in some particular cities it is way more significant than others <clears throat> people noticing now though and actually saying i love the spring so much that i will take less because i don't believe in this yep. system that's yep. really interesting so change so so my, my job is not to tell them to take the non-cash offer it's my job is to explain what the reality of it is. So the reality is, hey, this is 10 grand more. It's solid. They will close. They've only ever cocked up one deal and it was delayed funding by four days. Like, okay, no big deal, right? But like, like we have the discussion, it's an investor, it's coming in and this is not. So it's your choice. Are you willing to give up five, 10, 15 grand of your own money to go with someone else? So I don't steer them either way. I just let them know who, who is buying the house on the cash and who, if it's a VA or FHA loan, typically it's a primary. A family will live in it, no matter. Who. Yeah. I, I, now I'm I'm also biased. I'm a I'm an investor. I own a lot of houses with renters yep. in it, so I like to stick up for, <laughs> for us some of the that's time too, too yeah, right? That's too. Yep. And it is, um, and but I get both sides to it. I get mm-hmm. the idea that no one wants to live next to a, an Airbnb, and no one wants to live next to a renter that isn't going to care about the property. And at the same time, there's people that can't afford to buy houses that they need good houses too. And there's, uh, there's so many different sides uh, to that equation, but it's really interesting that the sellers are at least starting to pay attention to it. I've had, when I would buy a lot of foreclosures, I'd have just as many people that would thank me for saying, thank you for buying that. It's been vacant for a year. We've been parting in there every night and I'm just glad a family is going to be in there. But yeah, well, Joel, this is, this has been awesome. The uh, I know that our real estate rock stars listeners are going to have gotten so much value out of this. You got to cover so much ground, and it's fun to hear how big you've grown your business in the last five years and how like excited you are about what's next. Yeah, 
any last advice you want to give anyone on what they should be thinking about with real estate or how to succeed over the next year or just how people can reach out to you? Because there are going to be some people that are going to want to reach out to you and hear about your team or get advice on yeah. what you're doing and strategy ideas. So one, one thing I tell every agent I ever meet who wants to just sign out is try and dig into a niche a little bit or build a farm, figure out what, what the true value proposition you have is, right? So figure out why you're different or how you're different. Because there's, like I said, here there's 6,000 of us, 90% of us are the same, right? So um, find your value proposition for sure. Treat it like a job. My the hardest thing for me is without a schedule, I'm going to sit at home, drink a beer in the morning and just chill. Treat it like a job, nine to five, and then uh, figure out how to build your team properly or build your sphere properly. But yeah, if anyone wants to reach out, Facebook, uh, it's just Joel Nath. You'll find me somewhere. Website's topnotchhometeam.com. Can't really mess it up or just hit me on email, which is Joel at Top Notch Home Team. Yeah. Uh, that is awesome. I just started trying to add you into my social so I can make sure <laughs> that we check out some more. The- Sweet. I really appreciate you finally reaching out to us, Joel. Really <laughs> Rockstars listeners. Hopefully you guys got as much out of this as I do. Like I said, we started reaching out to Joel a while back. He finally made time for us. And then he even had to move some stuff around today so we could finish getting uh, this interview out. So Joel, congratulations on your success. Congratulations on 30 under 30. And I expect you. big, big things and real estate rock stars. Thanks for listening. It's been awesome. All right, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents. And we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate how to get the listing how to negotiate deals you know how to become an investor all sorts of different stuff rebusuniversity.com and if you want to chat with me go find me on instagram if you come find me on instagram you can send me messages tell me what you want to hear tell me what you liked what you didn't like we try to put a bunch of content out there too you can find me in two different places it's at rerockstars.com for our real estate rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.